How do you unlock your full potential of influence and create lasting change? I'm your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Along with your other co-host, Scott Young, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for inspirational stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals around the globe. We want to see you get equipped and empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. While you listen, if you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. Just hit the subscription button. Even more importantly, we'd like to invite you to be part of our team by helping us to share the message and continue to bring more and exciting guests onto the program. These guests help us to grow in our influence, your five-star rating and personal written review, which we look forward to reading, will help us to move forward. You can also follow us at the Influencers Podcast Official on all social media channels to stay up to date, to hear more inspiring content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. I look forward to all of our podcasts, but especially this one with Dr. Don Wilton, Billy Graham's personal pastor and close friend for many, many years. He's authored several books, including his latest, Saturdays with Billy, where he shares about their weekly visits over 15 years. It doesn't get more interesting than that. Uh, Don has been the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Spartanburg, South Carolina, beautiful place, for over 27 years. He is the founder and president of the Encouraging Word, which is reaching people in all 50 states and internationally through television, radio, and the internet. And uh, as you are about to hear, he doesn't really have a Spartanburg accent, but uh, we'll love hearing it. Uh, Dr. Wilton is highly sought after Bible expositor and is frequently speaking for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, the Cove Samaritan's Purse, which I've had the privilege of working closely with at disaster sites, wonderful ministry. Uh, He also speaks at universities, seminaries around the world. Proud grandparents uh, and your grandchildren, eight grandchildren, uh, Don, they call you chief and your wife, Ducky, is that correct? Uh, that's exactly correct, Dave. <laughs> well, I am a new, I am a new grand grandparent, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Chief is a pretty good name. I think that's a, I think they got it right. I got that from my my sons and my daughter. So yes, I'm Chief, and my wife is Ducky. Love it. And your yes. three grandchildren now are they working with you in ministry? Uh, they are all engaged in ministry, yes, and uh, we're very grateful to the Lord as as our children serve the Lord, not only here but around the world. Don, I had the privilege of being with Anne Graham Lotz uh, recently. Uh, she spoke to a large group of us uh, at Dallas Cowboys Stadium on the field, and I had the privilege of going up after her to close out the evening and to close out in prayer. But as I looked out uh, on the field, there were a lot of the workers uh, that were serving us and also taking care of the stadium. And they were there listening uh, to her. And I knew that I only had a, 
you know, seconds because uh, as soon as they found out that uh, I was up there instead of her, they were going to disappear. And so uh, I prayed uh, for them, blessed them. And uh, the next day she said that uh, God told her to do that and she forgot. And uh, and so that was so affirming to me. We had a good laugh and and just shared how God ultimately is in control. But it also underscores uh, the humility uh, for her to ad- admit that. Uh, just an incredible uh, woman of God. Uh, she shared on personal revival, and it was so transparent and moving for all of us. And so what an anointing upon the Graham family. Uh, as you know, uh, Billy Graham grew up on a dairy farm near Charlotte, North Carolina. But what our listeners may not know is that he appeared on Gallup's annual top 10 most admired list 61 times more than any other person. Uh, spoke to 215 million people at least in, in over 180 countries and territories. And uh, Don, you were close friends with Dr. Billy Graham, and you referred to him as Brother Billy, uh, share with us, how did you meet and how did your friendship develop? Well, Dave, again, thank you so much for having me with all our listeners. What a wonderful privilege. Yes, you know, um, to talk about uh, my relationship with Mr. Graham is something very, very close to my heart and very humbling for me, a very unlikely uh, friendship. Um, How it happened uh, is only but by the grace of God, I should imagine, you know. Um, But in in short, um, you know, during the 80s, I had been privileged to be part of the teaching faculty for the Billy Graham Schools of Evangelism uh, that preceded uh, most of his crusades around the world. But in 1993, um, I preached my first sermon as the brand new pastor of First Baptist Church in Spartanburg. Uh, South Carolina. And when I went back to my office, my telephone rang. And uh, I was still in boxes. I didn't even know where Walmart was in our city. And uh, on the other side was this uh, amazing voice, Dr. Billy Graham and Miss Ruth Graham, ostensibly calling to welcome me uh, to the upstate and telling me how much they had enjoyed and appreciated my Uh, message on television that day. And it was on that occasion that Mr. Graham um, asked me if I would consider coming up to visit him at his home in Montreat. And uh, needless to say, you know, um, I did, in fact, the next day and drove up there and was escorted in these black limousines through all the security and up to his beautiful home. And I'll never forget that first time when this most unbelievable couple. I was nervous um, in my eyes. You know, I was looking upon the face of one of the great men and most uh, loved women in all the world, in my opinion. They treated me like I was royalty. Uh, You know, Dave, if I can just say this right at the outset, Uh, Because our people, just to try and get a picture, if you had a picture of Don Wilton and Billy Graham, um, here's the picture. You've got a picture of a nobody who thought he was a somebody talking to a somebody 
who thought he was a nobody. Everything was backwards. I've, I've never been around a man so full of the grace of God. And, you know, he invited me back the next week and then the next week and then the next week. And this friendship began that only God could have formulated. And we became extremely close. And, uh, in confidentiality and intimacy of thought and life. And uh, for the first 10 years, um, we just had this friendship. And I would go up there often, mostly on Saturdays. And after 10 years, he invited me to become his pastor. And uh, officially, because he felt had such a tremendous high view of God's order and that's another story in itself. In fact, I write about it in Saturdays with Billy. And so for nearly 25 years, I was given this enormous privilege of being able to sit at the feet of God's peerless servant. And I will spend the rest of my life trying to figure it out and just give God thanks because of the remarkable influence that this man had on my life. And of course, our life together was so deeply, it was me and he. We didn't, we weren't surrounded by the crowds and the television sets. Most of our time was the two of us talking and praying and laughing and playing with the dogs. And that's what Saturdays with Billy is all about. Now, one of uh, Dr. Graham's dear friends, uh, the late, great Bill Bright, uh, would say that God blesses those whom he can trust. And we have a lot of you know, young pastors, ministry leaders, a lot of people wanting to be, if you will, uh, the next Billy Graham. Uh, what, what would you say were some of the keys that you learned while spending those Saturdays with Billy and perhaps even with his family? Uh, the whole Graham family, I just love them. You know, you mentioned Anne. Just love Anne so much. And Franklin, you know, Mr. Graham used to refer to Anne as the best preacher in their family. And uh, I know I had Anne speak in my own church. <laughs> Mr. Graham wrote me a, a wonderful letter, and I've got it, one of the many, many letters and things that I have hanging in my office today. And uh he was just talking about how Anne had been such a rich blessing on that occasion and to the thousands by way of television. But you know, um, Dave, uh, you quoted uh, Bill Bright, who Mr. Graham loved so dearly as well. Uh, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And um, some of you may remember when I was privileged to preach uh, at his graveside service uh, and take part in the funeral service watched by millions of people around the world. Um, that was one of the verses that was so prominent. And the front of that verse is as important as the back. God resists the proud. Uh, what the Lord is trying to tell us is that those of us who have a humble spirit before the Lord and a servant's heart, God is going to bless, gives grace to those who are humble. Mr. Graham 
showed me the face of God's grace. And you know, Dave, in many ways, uh, you know, I struggled to uh, accept the invitation to write a book about my relationship with him. Saturdays with Billy, you know, it's not a biography. They're wonderful biographies. I love every one of them. Um, Saturdays with Billy is is an insight uh, into the personal heartbeat of this man. You know, the question is, who was Billy Graham that I affectionately called Brother Billy? Who, who was he? What kind of person is the type of person that qualifies for God gives grace to the humble? How do you qualify for that attribute to receive that endowment from the face of a holy and a righteous God? And Mr. Graham treated all people the same way, Dave. He, you know, one can only imagine the presidents and prime ministers, the kings, the queens, the famous athletes that that came to Mr. Graham. Uh, this, these are the people we were interacting with. And Mr. Graham's whole life um, centered around people, people for whom Christ died. And I'm one of those people because I lived in such a close relationship with him for nearly 20 years that I'm able to testify to the face of God's grace, this spirit of spiritual humility uh, that resided so richly in the heart of a man. So if I may say, Dave, Mr. Graham would not like me to say this, uh, but in the in the heart of a man that I consider to be so big, so famous, so wonderful, um, so well known. You mentioned Gallup, you know, for over fifty years. I mean, this man. We had a saying that anybody who was anybody who came to the United States, they wanted to come and visit with Dr. Billy Graham. Um, I know because of the calendar and the telephone and the appointments and the visits. I bet you did. I I got to ask you, though, how did he do that? I mean, it's so easy to read your own press clippings. And a friend of mine likes to say, breathe your own exhaust. And how was he able to shed, you know, all the accolades and and even, you know, all the wonderful things that you're saying so that it wouldn't stick and so that he would never get in the way of God using him and where he was competing with God for the glory, if you will. How, how did he do that? What were the keys or the principles that you had a front row seat to him practicing? Well, Dave, I, you know, I, I, I would have to explain this. I always felt uh, whether we were in the bedroom or walking together, eating countless meals and ribs and barbecue and uh, all the things we did together. I always felt that he was looking out from the inside of his eyes. Um, by that, I mean 
Mr. Graham perpetually reflected upon his own unworthiness in the presence of a holy and a righteous God. He understood his own unrighteousness, his sinfulness as a human being, his fleshness. And one of the privileges that God gave to me as his pastor and friend was the many reflections that we had together from the inside of his eyes. Most people, the closer you get to them, the more you realize they have clay feet. The closer I was able to get, and I held Mr. Graham's hand as he went to heaven. Um, I recognized that he had this profound spiritual understanding that there but by the grace of God go I. He saw himself as the first recipient of the reconciliation of God. He, his book, How to Have Peace with God, so popular and used by millions and has blessed millions of people around the world, meant more to him personally. Uh, when I helped him write books, it was as though he was speaking from the depth of his own depravity, if I might use that word. One doesn't associate Dr. Billy Graham with anything less than greatness, let alone sinfulness. And I'm not suggesting to you that I thought for a minute Mr. Graham was a sinner, but he thought himself the chief of sinners, as did the Apostle Paul. And so I think that he was so humble, there was not an ounce of pride in him. He, contrary to public opinion, he had no pride. He, he had this worldwide organization and his personal friends were presidents and and a who's who of world the court of public opinion in the world this man but he himself was shocked by it there were many times when he would enter the room and everybody would be applauding and he would look around to genuinely to figure out who it was that they were applauding for <laughs> you know, Don, uh, I, we, you and I could go on and on uh, for hours about Dr. Graham. <laughs> and by the way, I'm so glad you wrote the book uh, because how many emerging leaders in particular uh, can really benefit from this? All of us can, but especially emerging leaders. But, you know, uh, Dr. Graham wrote in his book, Just As I Am, about a few things he would do differently. And I think this would be of special interest uh, to those uh, that are listening right now. He said, one of my great regrets is that I have not studied enough. I wish I had studied more and preached less. And he goes on to say that people pressured him to speak to groups and, and he, it was hard for him to turn them down. Uh, can you talk to us about that? Oh, most certainly. 
And this this was a pervading sense of regret uh, it, right up to his final days with us on this earth. And, and it was a constant subject with us. It, his regret was uh, borne out by the fact that it seemed to me that the older he became, the less he felt that he knew about the almightiness of a sovereign God. And, and, and we would talk for endless hours uh, about the magnificence of God. And it was, it was rather somewhat odd, if, if, if I might say to you, because it doesn't make sense. But he had such a profound sense of God's order. So here I am, Don Wilton, the younger. I mean, I'm, I'm Franklin's age. I'm his son's age. And... There's Dr. Billy Graham, and he would repeatedly, consistently, we would look at Scripture together, and he would say, now, Don, explain this to me. Uh, can we talk about this? Can we dig deeper? Can we mine out the heart of God from what we read here in the Word of God? And I would look at him in my heart, if you know what I'm saying, and it's as though I'd say, well, Dr. Graham, in my heart, I I need to ask you to explain this to me, not me explain. What can I say to you? But he was so profoundly uh, desirous to get to the heartbeat of the unfathomable and yet palpable love of God. God loves you. The height of God's sovereignty and the depth of God's love and the width of God's uh, a wonderful grace that he, it, it was a regret of his as the older he got. And when he wrote, just as I am, he genuinely said, I wish that I could have spent a lot more time. Now I'm telling you this tongue in cheek. Okay. Uh, I don't tell a lot of people. I remember one time we laughed our heads off because he told me that he really should have become a monk. Uh, can you imagine going from the world's evangelist to being a monk living in a cave? Well, he wasn't meaning being a monk. What he was saying is, I wish I could have devoted my entire life to searching the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus in the book of Philippians. He spoke to me about that a hundred times over. And it was a regret of his but within the context of that regret, it was his greatest joy to follow hard after God. Well, you see that same humility in his daughter, Anne. You know, oh, because, yes. As I mentioned a few weeks ago at the event at Dallas Cowboy Stadium, I mean, she spoke on personal revival and listed uh, the really the areas where she's asking God to help her grow. And uh, incredible spirit. Isn't it wonderful how, how the spirit of Dr. Graham has been passed on to his sons and daughters? It's what I love about being around Anne. What I love about being with Franklin. There's a, it's just incredible. It, and I met her daughters. Beautiful. Aren't uh, they? Emily, and yeah, and she, uh, she shared with me that, uh, that, she uh, sat down too early. She said the Lord told her to pray for all the workers. And unfortunately, uh, I obeyed the Lord and prayed for the workers. 
<laughs> we, had a, we had a good laugh about that. Oh, Dave. He listen. Mr. Graham loved his family. Eh? Oh, the, the one thing that he he did lament, and again, this was in his book, Just as I Am, and it was in the context of you know uh, falling, if you will, to the pressure, giving into the pressure of all of the speaking opportunities and not wanting to let people down. Uh, obviously, there aren't too many people that have walked this planet that had more uh, friends and acquaintances, admirers than Dr. Graham. But he said, I did not spend enough time with my family when they were growing up. You cannot recapture those years. Did he ever talk with you about that? Uh, repeatedly. We spoke about that so many times because a constant recurring theme of ours together, Saturday after Saturday, week after week, and month after month, and year after year, was praying for his family. And I was there. I was with him. And he would pour out his heart. And I heard Mr. Graham personally in prayer, reflecting back, I heard him apologizing to God for having been so busy preaching the gospel that he neglected his own family to a certain level. Now you try and put that together. Um, I, I'm not. I, this would sound like I, I'm. I'm not using these words, but I felt sometimes as though he was asking God to forgive him for having been too busy too often to the point at which he would be gone from his family. He would tell me the times that he would go off to Australia or to Africa or to England for two and three and four month periods of time. And how that uh, walking down the hill and, and heading toward the airport and getting on the plane or getting on the ship, uh, going across the Atlantic and how um, he would leave behind his children. And he had this picture in his mind of them waving goodbye to him uh, at that beautiful home on, on that mountainside in Montreat that I grew to love so much. And, and you know, very, very quickly, he would always immediately turn to Mrs. Graham. And and he would talk. He he loved her so deeply. Um, they 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 had a real love affair, Dave. And uh, I mean, they just held hands and talked about one another and looked into one another's eyes. But when it came to the family, he had such a profound gratitude for the mother that Mrs. Graham was to her five children. And he repeatedly said to me, I don't know uh, what I would have done, Mr. Graham said, had it not been for Ruth, he called her. And, you know, he, he really loved my wife, Karen. Um, and I, I always think that part of that love for Karen was born out of Karen's motherhood. And. I'm not trying to turn this into something for me, but I was going up there most Saturdays, and Saturdays are big family days. And uh, 
he was very aware of that. And uh, just trust me, uh, folks, when Mr. Graham taught me a lot and he admonished me and, and he, he passed these things. He was such a teacher and a mentor, but he did it so lovingly. And he would look at me and he would say things to me like, I just don't know how you do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you folks can all laugh because it just sounds so silly for me to say. <laughs> he would look at me. And he would say, I just don't know how you do all you do, you know. And I, I would turn back to him and I'd say, oh, Brother Billy, you know, that's the pot calling the kettle back, isn't it? You know, and all I do is go and get one of these calendars from some of the previous years and ask the question, how do you do what you do? And there was that, that, that balance between being a servant of the Lord, doing everything God wants you to do, and yet at the same time understanding the prime responsibility of being a father to your children and husband to your wife. And that was so important to him. That's why he loved his children so much. And his grown children, why he prayed for them by name. And his grandchildren, he doted on them and loved them so much. And he loved uh, humor. And so did uh, his lovely wife, <laughs> Ruth Belgrade. Oh, yeah. I, I remember uh, when she was asked if she had ever contemplated uh, divorcing uh, her famous husband, and her reply was, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know, Dave, one of my favorites, and Gigi, who's such a lovely person, I love Gigi. We became very close friends over all those years. You know, Gigi always would remind me of the time when uh, one of the occasions when Mr. Graham was not, fe <laughs> not feeling too good. And he kept complaining on how poorly he was feeling. And <laughs> Mrs. Graham looked at him and said to him, oh, shut up, Billy, and die like a Christian. <laughs> well, uh, we, can't, we can't wait to read this book. I mean, this no. is... Uh, Long overdue. I got to ask you a few more questions, though, because uh, later in life, uh, Dr. Graham asked you to preach at his funeral. There's no higher honor than that. Uh, that just shows you the depth of his love for you, trust, and friendship. But is it true that it was under one condition that you did not um, really uh, speak of his name? <laughs> yes. and, and if so, what did he mean by that? Oh, and I put this all in Saturdays with Billy. We were sitting out there one day about seven years before he we went to heaven. And just suddenly, we were just having the best time, having fun outside. He said, Don, I want to talk to you about my funeral. It was never my favorite subject, but he brought it up quite often with me. And because uh, he had no fear of death, you know, he just knew exactly that he was going to heaven. And we talked about it often. And he said, Don, I, I'm, I've asked you, this is why I've asked you, but I've got one request, and that is when you preach my funeral, I don't want you to mention my name, not one time. Well, I want to tell you something, Dave. My whole life began to pass in front of me. Um, I had this picture of me preaching probably to millions of people <laughs> and people out there all wondering, what's wrong with that Don Wilton, you know? He's never mentioning the name of the man that we are honoring and celebrating today. So, of course, being me, 
in my consternation, I immediately launched into a discussion about Moses and Abraham and Elijah and Paul and Barnabas. He stopped me after a little while, put his hand on my shoulder. I'm telling you, he had a glint in his eye. And he said, okay. He said, I get the point. I said, well, Brother Billy, I said, you and I have got to agree that God does choose to use people. He used Moses and he used Abraham and he used Paul and he uses people today. He said, well, yes. He said, okay, you can mention my name at my funeral, but only just a little bit. <laughs> you know, Dave, that in and of itself was a reflection of the humility of this man. You know, Franklin and the family will tell you when they opened the Billy Graham the beautiful Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, which I believe everybody should go and see. You know, his concern was that there was too much Billy Graham there. You know, in Saturdays with Billy, I talk about My Hope America that we taped for nearly a year and hundreds of thousands of people came to know Christ. And, and I was given the privilege of sitting with him and quote-unquote, coaching him and helping him and everything he says, he's talking to me. And it's so powerful. When, when he was shown the final product, he didn't like it. And, and the reason was there was too much Billy. Now, you and I look at that and say, wait a minute, this is my hope with Billy Graham. But Mr. Graham saw himself as nothing. It didn't matter to him. He did not matter. He believed I must decrease so that only the Lord Jesus Christ would increase. Plastered all over his home, and I preached on this at his funeral service. Galatians 6.14. I'm only going to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. In many places in his home, most of the years we were together, there it was. Big letters. I'm only going to boast in Jesus Christ. Mr. Graham believed for me to live as Christ and to die as God. And he carried that with him to his grave. And today he speaks from the grave. Because everything you hear, Dave, when, when I was privileged with David Bruce to march Mr. Graham's casket into the rotunda of the capital of the United States of America with the who's who, the president, vice president, the members of the Supreme Court standing in silence, the powerhouse of the world, the centerpiece of the world, standing there in Washington, D.C. at the order of Congress. And as I stood next to Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, I thought again of this man and his witness for Christ. How this man drew attention to Jesus Christ. And on that day, me, let alone the family, I had people coming up to talk to me left and right. And there wasn't a single person that ever came up to me from any walk of life that did not speak about this man's testament about God, even those that did not believe in God said that. And on that occasion, when Michael W. Smith, I got a great picture of me and he in, in Saturdays with Billy, and 
We had some great times with Mr. Graham together. When he sat there and played just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou would bid me to come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. To me, Dave, the person who led the I come was always Mr. Graham first. He found himself first. He lay down and said, you walk on me first. If you need to get across this muddy hole, I'll lie down there. You just walk on my body. He was that humble. He showed the face of God's grace. And he was a precious man. And I'm praying that Saturdays with Billy, you can go and Google just about anything about Mr. Graham. You can find out where he was, what he did, what he preached on. But I was privileged for nearly 25 years to be loved by this amazing man. Well, he was privileged, Don, to have a, a Barnabas, somebody mm -hmm. that he could trust, confide in, pray with. And uh, the world is grateful that God put uh, Don Welton there. You know, in that that room, in that home, uh, on Saturdays, and I want us to conclude with this: as a result of people listening or reading your book, Saturdays with Billy, what do you hope God will accomplish? My my most fervent prayer, as people read the book, that they would see the personal side of Dr. Billy Graham. But in seeing his personal side, they would come to understand how very special they are and how that Jesus uses every one of us to be his servants, just like Billy Graham. Amen. Well, uh, Don, how can we get a copy of your incredible book, Saturdays with Billy? Uh, you can go to Saturdays with Billy. Dot com. Uh, you can go to the encouraging word dot org, but I also want to tell you it's available at Amazon. It's available at Barnes and Noble, um, Walmart, bookstores, Sam's. Um, it has been made available across the country. Uh, we're getting reports of people are able to acquire a copy of it by many. You can Google it, and uh, there are many opportunities to be able to get it. And then I pray would be deeply blessed uh, because of the witness of Dr. Billy Graham. Well, we're going to get it. I think all of our listeners, and I would encourage our listeners to get it for family members, friends, uh, certainly young emerging lead leaders at our, at our universities and seminaries. They all need to be uh, spending Saturday with Billy. Uh, Don, this has been life-changing uh, for me and I know for our listeners. And I just want to thank you for joining us on the Influencers Podcast. Thank you, Dave, so very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to hit the subscription button.
You can help us to reach more people and bring more great guests onto the program by giving us a five-star rating and writing a personal review about how this podcast has personally impacted you. We love to read your comments. We'd love you to follow us at The Influencers Podcast Official. That's on all social media channels. To stay up to date, to hear more inspirational content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember, folks, use your influence to move people closer to Jesus and his mission.